Greats. Do you remember when it was that you encountered Jesus for the first time? I've asked you this question a number of times, but I'm asking again. Do you remember when you encountered Jesus for the first time? You remember the moment? Then I want to ask you, do you remember the person that helped that happen? I remember the moment very clearly. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you the details. And as important as it was that we met or encountered Jesus, there was probably a person involved. Some of us sovereignly have Jesus talk to us. It happens all around the world, even kind of places where Christianity is dangerous. But it just might be that you had someone that was instrumental. I remember when when friend and I got saved, uh, we started attending a, a friend's youth group. And the leader of that group would drive from his house past the church where we would meet all the way to my house. Now, when you live on the south coast, five minutes is like long enough to pack sandwiches. And uh, this guy would, would ride at least half an hour out of his way, probably about 25 minutes one way. So probably 40 or 50 minute round trip every Friday night to get these two youngsters a lift to youth. I wonder if you remember the person that was involved, the person that helped you encounter Jesus. And then if you're born again this morning, I'm asking us this morning, would we be the same? Would we be someone that could help another encounter Jesus? So if we can have that first slide, please. Jesus told us that we would be witnesses for him throughout the world. But in order to be a witness, you actually have to witness something. So God gives every person who follows him a story to tell. I hope you have a story. And if you think your story isn't remarkable, trust me, it is. That's your story. You can tell it. The story of how God impacted their lives by changing it for the better so that they can have something to tell others. Acts chapter 21 verse 13. It says this. It says, um, The issue in Jerusalem is not what they want to do. To me, whether arrest or murder, but what the master, Jesus, does through my obedience. And that's the question we're asking. Sometimes we get so caught up with, we heard Andre and Yanin talking the truth about this time of year, right? So easy for us to get caught up with what's happening to me. The question is, what is God wanting to do through me, through you, even in these moments? And so if you're a Christian in the building this morning, I want to show you that there are people all around you that need to encounter Jesus. And you're it. You're the one. You're the person who God can use if you're in their sphere. And if you're not a Christian in this room this morning, then maybe you'll hear something that you can identify. Maybe you'll hear a story about someone who who feels familiar to you. And just maybe Jesus could talk to you this morning. So welcome to episode 5 of our series, Encounter with Jesus, where we look at people in the New Testament who met Jesus, and then we ask, ask ourselves, what happened next? So we've had a look at Mary, and Mary's beautiful statement is, I am the Lord's servant, let it be to me, let Jesus use me as he wants me to, as he wants to. Then we looked at the dying thief. And we said that Jesus' example changes lives. And again, so let us be the Lord's servant like Mary. Let us be the example like Jesus was to the thief. 
Then uh, we looked, Micah and, and uh, Rich looked at the Samaritan woman, the lady who Jesus spotted, the lady that was seen at the well when everyone overlooked her. And maybe there is someone that God has put your eye on that he has put you there to talk to them. Last week we spoke about Zacchaeus and we said his life was um, kenmarked, um, characterized by clear and obvious change that people around him had to notice. This morning we look at, I struggle with this title, but she's become known as this for, for all the years, we, and we don't know her name. So this morning I'd like to look at the quote, condemned woman. But before we get there, there was some uh, conversation in the car as to the, exp- the, the pronunciation, and I'm sure my family was right. I'd like to tell you a tale, an Aesop tale this morning. You may recognize it. It goes like this. It says, the wind and the sun were disputing which was stronger. Remember that one? You've had a classical education. Well done. Didn't learn this at Port Shepson High. I will just say that. Suddenly, they saw a traveler coming down the road. And the son said, I see a way to to decide our dispute. Who is stronger? Whichever of us can cause the traveler to take off his cloak shall be regarded as the stronger and you can begin. So the sun retired behind a cloud and the wind began to blow as hard as it could upon the traveler. But the harder he blew, the more closely the traveler wrapped his coat around him. Till at last the wind gave up in despair. Then the sun came out and shone in all his glory, I love the language, upon the traveler who soon found it far too hot to walk along the road with his coat on. You see him taking shade under a tree with his coat off. I wonder who was stronger. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the way we try to achieve something works against us? People say that we should not judge. Have you heard that before? Quick to say, oh, you shouldn't judge. Don't judge me. Have you heard that? I'd like to uh, disagree with you this morning if, if that's your opinion. I think we judge things all day long. We judge, for example, how long will it take to get to the office given the traffic this morning? That's a judgment. We judge, is the coffee too hot? (laughs) Can I get into the bath without adding more cold water? It's a judgment. We judge, how we ask ourselves, how much am I willing to pay for these shoes? That's a judgment. (laughs) Should I lock my car when I park at the mall or will it be fine? a judgment. Ask ourselves, how much do I have to go to the gym for it to make a difference? And is the result worth the effort? It's a judgment. We ask ourselves, could I or should I marry this girl or employ this applicant or invest in Bitcoin? In fact, judging is carefully related to wisdom in the scriptures. I can see you guys squirming. Stick with me. You want a pilot who can judge the landing. You want a president who can judge what's best for the nation. And you want a doctor who can correctly judge your symptoms. Correct? Shall we read in the Bible, John chapter 8, verse 2. 
John chapter 8 verse 2. It says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now, each of these are, are scenes, they're little happenings. And so I want us to help pick, I want to help us picture the moment. So Jesus was in the temple courts, there would have been people around. The Bible refers to the crowd. Then we have the so-called religious leaders, the, the holy men. They bring this girl in and they must have caused a scene. Somehow they got a space in the crowd, right? To be able to have what comes next. They made her stand before the group. And said to Jesus, do you understand how this works? There's a bunch of people. And they pull this woman into the front. They make some space. They stand before the group. But then they speak to Jesus. Teacher, interesting that the Pharisees called Jesus teacher. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. I can't tell you how many people wonder what he wrote. It's irrelevant. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now, it's very easy if we just read this quickly. We think it was just two people in this whole place. The crowd would still have been there, right? Those that, that were hanging around. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Because remember, the crowd was just watching. They weren't accusing. It was the accusers Jesus spoke to. Says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. In case you've squirmed enough, I think there's a difference between judging and condemning. And that word is used very carefully in the passage. You, you're, <laughs> you're going to get yourself into trouble if you don't judge. You're going to entrust yourself to people that aren't worthy of the trust. You need to evaluate, to judge, is this person trustworthy if I'm going to entrust myself to them, right? So there's a difference between judging and past judgment. The, the, the picture is a, a, a judge in a court passes judgment. He, he gives a sentence, whereas we want to talk about evaluating. So to condemn is to give judgment against or to judge worthy of punishment. When Jesus turns to the woman... He says himself, not even I won't judge you in this. I won't condemn you, he said, even though it was his right to do so. I'd like you to keep with me. Just stick with me because there's a great point I want to make this morning. So let's ask ourselves the question, who was this lady? Who was she? Well, what do we know about her? Not very much. We know just a few things. We know nothing of her background. We don't know whether she was rich or poor. We don't know which side of town she lived, what she did for a job, whether she had kids or not. We don't know too much about her. We just have this little snippet, this little window, part of her story we get to see today as we read the scriptures. What we do know is that her life was in a mess. Yeah? 
<laughs> forgive me if if this offends you uh, it, it's just for me it's funny <laughs> i think her she was living a life that looked like a article in the u magazine or anywhere on the internet you choose <laughs> right she must have been in real pain she re- Today there's a whole there's a whole move in the culture to say, oh man, she's living her best life. She's doing her, her, she's doing whatever it is. She has agency to run her life the way she wants. I wonder if you could sit her down, if she was pleased with where her choices were taking her. She must have been in real pain. Relationally, she was either cheating on her own husband, or if she wasn't married, she was pursuing another woman's husband. Either way, it's a recipe for disaster. I'm asking us to think this morning. I can feel you guys are, are engaging. It's cool. It is a little kind of important for us to think this through. You know, it always amazes me is if you're cheating with, if you're cheating on someone else with someone, we always think they'll never cheat on us. It's like Richard and I, we make a plan, man. We never, you know, we're going to do Andre in. You and me, Rich, we're going to, I don't know what we're going to do, but you and me, hey, the elders of this church are going downhill fast. Richard and I, I don't know, we're going to take his discovery points or something. We're going to make him run the comrades every five minutes and we've got a plan to get his discovery points. It's a great idea. But it's amazing to me how Rich and I think we can trust each other to the grave. Hey, oh no, 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 Richard's on my side. Uh, it's just the other guy that we're going to do and we'd never do each other in English. In English we say there's honor among thieves. It's a fascinating thing to me to think if, if you and I are going to rob someone else, why will we never rob each other? Because we're that person. If I can rob this person, why would I not rob that person? It's who I am. And I would hope you would be wise enough to take one look at me and go, mm, I'm not giving you my wallet to hold. Relationally, she was in a mess. She had an out-of-control life and was dealing with the fallout of that. She must have been in constant fear. Fear of being found out. Fear of becoming an embarrassment. Fear of the danger of being exposed. The men in her life And women too, I would guess if they caught on. The men in her life, every man mentioned in the story other than Jesus is using her. The guy, using her. The religious leaders, using her. If word got out, she would have been under threat of death. And these guys make it public to catch Jesus. Not for her sake. Can you imagine living in an environment like that? You know you're guilty. It's clear. It's obvious. It's not debatable. This is cut and dried. Your life is in turmoil. I can only imagine the circumstances of heart that gets a person to that place. On top of that, not one person in this story has her. Uh, their con- in, in their concern. 
everyone wants to use her. In Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10 it says, If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. This is serious stuff. You might ask, it does take two to tango. Where's the guy? I realize I'm tiptoeing and, and, and kind of possibly standing on toes this morning. I want us to think this through. It's so easy to point at one and ignore the other. Yeah? Easy to overlook the offenses of people that for some reason we... Yeah? Hmm. These Pharisees were laying a trap for Jesus. They were hoping that he would say something by which they could accuse him. They weren't looking for redemption or even condemnation for this lady. They were trying to catch Jesus out. The dilemma of the situation in which the scribes and the Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus to lay, lay in the fact that if Jesus said she should not be stoned, if Jesus said, no, that's a terrible thing, don't stone her, then the religious people would be able to... Um, Condemn Jesus, they'd be able to catch him out because he's speaking against the Old Testament law. According to the Jewish faith, he would have been committing a crime. But if he said she should, she should be stoned, siding with the Jews, then he would have been in trouble with the Romans who were governing uh, the city because um, capital punishment was left to the Roman um, authorities. It was not awarded to the Jews. And they, the Romans could have said he's instigating uh, trouble. He's inciting to murder. Both ways, Jesus would have been found guilty. Remember we read this um, in Luke chapter 19 verse 10 last week uh, relating to Zacchaeus. It ends with, for the Son of God has come to seek and to save the lost. Can you picture the story that I'm trying to paint for us? It must have been pandemonium. Yeah? Scandalous. Imagine what everyone would have been tweeting. <laughs> I went to temple today and guess what happened? Yeah? They're gunning for Jesus. There's men who should be holding a position of care and responsibility who are actually doing the opposite. There's crowds gawking. People are scandalized and gossiping and all of this. And in all of these things, we have Jesus, the Son of God, come to seek and save the lost. So let's have a look, number two, at the conversations with Jesus. The conversations with Jesus. I'm fascinated. Jesus actually says very little in this whole passage. Verse 5, these uh, religious leaders paint the problem and they say to Jesus, now what do you say? That's their point in this whole setup. Now what do you say? They're trying to put, draw Jesus into the argument. They're trying to put Jesus on trial, not um, just the law of God on, tra- on trial. In other words, they're saying, let us hear your response so that we can judge you. Uh, the Expositor's Bible Commentary says, her accusers were more interested in destroying Jesus than in saving the lady. And they made her the bait for their trap. Can you imagine? It says this. It says, their vicious hatred of Jesus was as bad as her immorality. Jesus is amazing. He's such a 
key example for you and I as we navigate this life in this season, in, in this day and age. You see, he's not drawn into their arguments. You notice that? He doesn't feel like he's got to stand up for God, for the Bible. He, he's not, he doesn't get drawn into their level. He doesn't compromise his position at no place, no part. Does Jesus say, oh, shame, you look like a nice lady. It's okay. At no stage does Jesus lower his standards. In fact, he keeps them as kaha. He's still able to show her care, concern, and compassion without compromising who he was. You know, the amazing thing is, instead of all of that, he offers her a way out. He's the only one that gives her hope in this whole scenario. His focus was on the one, on winning her, not trumping the crowd of oppressors. He wasn't wanting to go home in the, 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 the uh, headline in the Jerusalem Times that day. Jesus makes the, you know, the Pharisees look silly. Or Jesus wins the argument. He's not interested in that language. Jesus' heart was for the individual that could be saved if she would just follow him. Meeting a man who was interested in saving her rather than exploiting her and forgiving her rather than condemning her must have been a new experience for this lady. Imagine. At no point does Jesus lower the standard and say, oh, it's fine, you do you. Or as long as it doesn't affect anyone else. Have you heard that in our culture lately? You know, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, it's fine. Really? <laughs> well, you see, Jesus has a standard that brings us fullness of life. Yeah? And you can't get that if you don't do what he asks. And so Jesus, is, he's such an example in this moment. Jesus is kind. I chose these words on purpose. Jesus is kind. Kind to adulteress. So easy for us to focus on the lady. I mean, we, we, we can't even get to the guy because he doesn't get dragged in. Mm-hmm. He's kind to her. He's even respectful of her. Have you noticed that? <laughs> he doesn't condemn her. I'm pretty sure he would have very clearly had a, you stick with me with the words, he would have been, he would have had a clear judgment of her. But he didn't condemn her. He didn't judge her, but he could make a judgment about it. You're noticing the difference? Yeah. I mean, we need to be wise. Otherwise, we're going to get led by all sorts of people astray into all sorts of things. They're the spirit to help us discern. That's a, making a judgment. But Jesus doesn't condemn her. He doesn't say, you're such a sinful woman. He's anti-inflammatory. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't add to the tension in the room. In fact, he calms it down. (laughs) Have you ever been in an argument like that? You know, whatever you say can just add to the flames or it can bring peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. He's calm from beginning to end. It's amazing. You got this crowd, people shouting, Jesus, what do you say? <laughs> he doesn't even pay attention. He bends down. He doesn't even keep eye contact. He bends down and he writes in the sand of it. He's neither condoning or, de- or condemning. I think the culture today 
demands an either or. Have you noticed that? If you're an American, these days you're either a Democrat or you're a Republican. Either or. And you can't be someone that likes a bit of this and a bit of that. No ways. Because you're either with me or you're against me. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that in South Africa? I've been nervous about my, my examples this morning. But, I mean, just picture it. <laughs> you know, if I side with this person, I'm definitely against that person. Do we have any shark supporters here? I've just caused everyone else in the room to stumble. <laughs> They're judging you, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, Rich has been listening. He's calling it condemnation. But isn't this the point? If I'm for the sharks, it means I have to be against anyone else. I have heard some very patriotic South Africans that says, no, they support any team playing South Africa. You say, thanks a lot, countrymen. Yeah. But isn't it interesting how people today, they want you, you can't just be moderate, like, you know, you either only eat meat or you eat no meat. There's no space for, like, when I choose. Like, because we all want people to support our argument. I think by the end of the morning, I'm going to have offended everyone in the building. I'm trying hard. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Jesus is such an example. Instead of saying yes or no, he offers her a third way, a way out. Doesn't, he does not say, look, I have to win this argument to get you free. He says, there's a way for you to be free. <laughs> he says, who, who here can condemn? No one. Of all the people in that picture, of all the people, there's one person that actually could condemn her. It's Jesus himself, the one keeping quiet. Jesus rises above their level of questioning and above even the law and shows that God is only the one who has the right to demand the penalty of sin, Bible notes says. We see that only the woman remained with Jesus and the onlooking crowd that was on the temple before the accusers came. And Jesus says, woman, where are your accusers? Did no one condemn you? And she says, there's no one. Then he says, neither do I. What does he say? He says, I'll just go and try and live a better life. I'm hearing this often uh, in the culture. You have to do better. Have you said that? Have you heard that? It's got quite common. Oh, I promise to be a better husband. I promise to be, I'll do better next time. And if there's no change on the inside, we're just hoping that we're going to keep going until we fail again, right? Yeah? So Jesus doesn't tell you, oh, just moderate, you know. Try leave the guy, it'll be fine. He says, go and leave. I love this language. He says, go and leave your life of sin. He offers her a way out of this whole difficult situation. We learn three things from the story. We learn that, number one, we are all guilty. That's the point. No one's there ready to throw the first stone. All are guilty. The Bible says it clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Just because you're a nice sinner, you're still a sinner. Just because you go to the rotary and you pay, you know, you put, I don't know, blicky a tin of beans in the thing when you go shopping. You might be a nice person, but we're still sinners. We're all guilty, and actually all of us should be condemned. All of us have the right to have judgment passed on us. The second thing we learn is that only Jesus, because he's sinless, 
has the, the right to demand a penalty for the sin. He's the righteous judge. The third thing that we remind ourselves is that only Jesus, because he gave himself up for us, is able to forgive us and forgive the guilt that we carry. It's amazing. You see, if Jesus bent the rules, ah, oh, you know what? It's not so bad. You, you can get through. Then it would have reflected on his character. So Jesus keeps the standard exactly where it should be, the standard of righteousness. He doesn't, uh, uh, he, at any stage, doesn't uh, bring the standard down. But instead, he pays the price on her behalf. And he offers her a way out. Now, we can debate what happened next. We don't know. Just, there's no more words in the Bible in this passage, right? Passage finishes like a cliffhanger. You, you and I can decide what happens next in our imagination. The point is Jesus offers her. He doesn't say she's righteous. He doesn't say she's condemned. He offers her a third way to say, if you follow this way, if you follow my way, then you can have a life that's free. Jesus pays the penalty and empowers us to live this way. The last point this morning is what can we learn from Jesus? What can we learn from Jesus? Firstly, I think we've got it up there. Firstly, Never forget the grace that we've been given. Never forget the grace that we've been given. All of these people were so ungracious, except Jesus in the story. Never forget the grace. I too was a sinner. Dave Ramsey, who does Financial Peace University, he loves to say he has a PhD in D-U-M-B. <laughs> he went bankrupt in his early 20s. Uh, he's made a great success, helped lots of people. But he constantly says, man, I've made bad decisions too, just like you have. We've got a plan. We can get you out. He doesn't say, man, you're so stupid. I've never done anything wrong. You and I need to remember that we've been given grace from Jesus that we didn't deserve. And when someone disappoints us, when someone presents an opportunity for condemnation, we remember, no, I could be condemned too if not for Jesus. So number one, we never forget the grace we've been given. Number two, we always look beyond the noise to the heart. It's so easy to get drawn in. I mean, the internet is such a terrible place, right? You don't even know the real story. You, you're kind of on fifth-hand information and you're getting yourself angry because of what some commentator said about something that someone else said about something. We don't even really know the beginning story. You understand what I'm trying to say? What my friend told me about what happened. no. Look through the noise. Look to the heart. Jesus looks for that lady and he says, what's in your heart? Not what the crowd is saying, not what the religious leaders are saying. Third thing is, remember, condemnation closes the heart. I think we need to be careful that when people come around us, they get the sense that somehow they don't measure up. Number four, repentance leads to salvation. Nothing else. Nothing else. Repentance leads to salvation. And you and I can offer the way to Jesus. This next verse you'll probably recognize, but I want to read the two after it as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Jesus made a way out. It's up to us to receive it. I think the point of this whole series so far 
is that you and I have had an encounter with God and people can encounter God through us. I think there are people around us all the time that are busy in the act of something. If they don't know Jesus, desperately trying to find a way to live a, hell, a, a life that is meaningful. Might be obvious sin, it might be hidden sin. I think the devil will use it to ruin a life. And it could just be that if you and I will not be drawn into the argument and into judgment and condemnation, but rather offer dignity and compassion, it could just be that defenses would come down, hearts would open, and an encounter with us would turn people to Jesus. Just perhaps you will find someone around you this week living a life in a way that brings pain or chaos or shame. And it could be you to offer them the way out and point them to Jesus. Does it make sense? Friends, I'm contending this morning. Notice, I'm not saying let's lower the standards. Jesus never did. I'm not saying we start doing all sorts of things to try and be relevant to people. No. But sometimes we just need to be nice and kind and respectful. Just be like a good mom would have taught you to be. He judges, not us. We make judgments. We wise. But sometimes we've got to look through the mess, through the dust of life, into the heart, and say, my friend, there's a way out. You don't have to stay there. I can help you. I'm not looking down on you. I'd love to lead you to Jesus. Next week we finish our encounter series with Jesus. I'm trusting, even as we sang the songs today, that you and I will realize that there's people around us all the time who can encounter us and be led to Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Andre. Good. Thanks, Greg. Um, yeah, and I just want to echo that let's 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 this week really focus on where we can we actually go out into into our work environment into this chaos that we are living in out there and really be the light for that person you know and share um with that person the kingdom amen cool there's tea and coffee outside uh you can choose or judge whether you want to put in iced tea or coffee or sugar or milk but uh, yeah, hope to fellowship with you a bit outside there. Have a great day.